You are listening to the Happier at Work podcast, and I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. This is the podcast for HR and business leaders. We talk about things like leadership, well-being at work, diversity and inclusion, and the future of work. Welcome to episode 45 of the Happier at Work podcast. I'm delighted to have my guest today, Helen Joy. Now, Helen and I connected with each other through a mutual connection and we've had some great chats over the last few months. Today's topic is something that's very close to Helen's heart. So we're talking all about managers and Helen has a really strong background in recruitment and in training and development. And she's particularly strong on leadership and management development, especially when it comes to new managers and that first leap that someone makes into management. So a lot of the conversation today centers around that Her particular expertise lies in enabling businesses to grow from the inside out by working with managers to create inspired, motivated and top performing teams. So really putting managers at the centre of developing really, really great teams. I hope you enjoy today's episode. As always, I love to get the feedback, whether it's comment on social media or private message. So keep that coming. Welcome, Helen, to the Happier at Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you on the show today. Would you like to introduce yourself to listeners? I would do. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Aoife. Um, So I'm Helen Joy of PeopleSpark, and my business is focusing around the soft skills that managers need in order to get themselves to the peak that they can be as managers, because managers, great managers make great teams, and when managers are particularly good at what they do it's amazing the impact that that has on the individual and therefore on the bottom line to the business as well Um, there's been a bit of a shift this year like with a lot of people Um, and I spent a lot of time working with smaller businesses and looking a lot more around team engagement and so it's gone from sort of making sure that the managers have the skills to supporting the managers to utilize their skills to re-engage their teams if they've been off on furlough or if they've you know got mixed hybrid teams moving forward and yeah much more of a focus around sort of team orientation rather than just the management side now yeah but you made a very good point great managers make great teams and in this new environment it's it's these new skills that are required, isn't it? It's not just because you can't just deal with people face to face all the time. It's dealing with people remotely and being able to manage that. So, um, yeah, lots, lots and lots and lots of things to drill into there. Um, so you mentioned about the specific skills that are, that are required. Any thoughts on what skills are required or how those skills might have changed going from like mostly face-to-face interaction into this new either hybrid or um, like you mentioned furloughed or uh, remote working situation? Yeah, I think the, the difficulty has been for a lot of managers is that shift from being able to pick up on those non-verbal cues that people use. And, you know, you know, if you walk into a, into your office you can sense when somebody's not quite themselves. You can sense when somebody's a little bit quiet, a little bit down. You know, if they, if they always come in and they're all cheery and smiley and, and they come in and they're very quiet and just sit at their desk straight away, everybody knows that there's a problem. And 
that's that's gone we've lost that it's so much harder to get a sense of somebody this way Mm. than than it is um in in real life and I think we can all even when we're feeling our most vulnerable even when we're feeling our our most um sort of insecure and what have you we can manage to do this for 15 minutes we can be all cheerful on a call to a boss and you can put on the front and then turn off your screen your camera and actually you can feel how you genuinely feel yeah Um, and I think the the key for me is managers learning to pick up when that person is not still not quite themselves when they're quite often they go over the top the other direction um and and it's the 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 critical thinking to be able to ask the right questions to identify exactly how somebody's feeling and the relationship building that it's so much more important that you communicate on a regular basis with your teams finding that balance between micromanagement I mean god some horror stories of managers insisting that their teams all have their cameras on all day and they've got them all on you know gallery view so they can see everybody I mean that's appalling yeah but that ability to to communicate with them as as people not employees and to communicate enough to get to know them probably much better than you did when they were just coming into the office and in a lot of ways that's got easier because we are when we're having these conversations we're in each other's houses now yeah I've I found with some of my clients from from before the relationship's completely shifted because I've been in the kitchen I've been in their spare room you know there's, there's been times I've been talking to managers and they've gone I'm really sorry um I've got three kids and a dog wandering around at the moment and suddenly you see a different side to someone and that yeah. person is less can be less intimidating than they they might have been if you were sitting in their office on their ter- you know on their territory. But as a, as a manager, it's I think the really good stuff that comes out of, of this awful year is managers are having to treat their teams like individuals, like real people, mm. and it's a different shift. It's a shift into the sort of humanity of of how we are at work, which feeds into all of those basic needs that we have as individuals for feeling secure, feeling safe, and therefore being in a position to give our very best and be completely engaged with that person. You know, which which manager are you going to go the extra mile for? The one that doesn't bother making any effort with you mm. or the one that knows your kids' names and when their birthdays are and, you know, cares about you and your circumstances. And I think that's a definite bonus from this year. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I loved what you had to say about it's just learning how to pick up when someone's not quite feeling themselves. And, you know, there's lots of stories I've heard about just asking someone, but genuinely, like, so not like, how are you today? And someone's like, a fine or grand, but building on that and, and asking again and asking again to kind of no, but like, what's really going on for you? Like, the you know, fine or grand is that's kind of a throwaway comment if you like but it's like no but how are you actually getting on and I know we discussed before coming on the call about it's the it's the role really of the senior leaders to show that level of vulnerability in an organization and like that level of vulnerability shows the it it shows people that it's okay to say that it's you know creates this psychologically safe environment that we were talking about that it's okay to to say actually things aren't going really well, I'm not having a great day. 
I'm hopefully I'll have a better day tomorrow or, you know, here's the steps that I'm taking. I'm doing a bit of journaling. I'm getting outside for a walk or whatever it is, whatever steps that people will take in order to do that. Um, so, yeah, no, it's, it, I think it's, it's really important and, and picking up on those things. And I'd love to, to kind of chat to you a little bit more about the skills of a manager in general. So you were saying about as an individual, as an employee, who am I going to go to? Am I going to go to the manager that's, that knows my kids' names and my dog's names and when their birthdays are, et cetera, et cetera? Or am I going to go to the manager who doesn't really ask me about myself and, my, and my, my, uh, what's going on in my personal life? And it's brilliant that, that this, you know, one of the good things to come out of COVID is this building of individual relationships with, with people as people. That's, that's a really great thing to have happened. But I suppose th- coming back to, to managers and what, what managers can do or what are the key skills that managers need to have? Like for me, it's like there is one purpose of a manager and that is to develop other people. Maybe I wasn't always aware of that. And when I was a manager, certainly like that wasn't necessarily on my radar. That's not how I was taught. Uh, but I'd love to talk to you more about like, and especially when someone takes that first step into becoming a manager, what are the skills that they need to be aware of? The manager traditionally is very much around, the, was was the person who got stuff done. So a manager's role was very much around um making sure that processes were completed in the right way, making sure that everybody did their element in a in a process and they did it in the right time scales and they arrived on time and they, you know, if they were off sick, they did the, the return to work interview and those kind of things. And, you know, that has shifted so much in the last 10 or 20 years because those are not the managers who get the best out of people. And the problem is though you've still got some cultures where that is the expectation of what a manager does that that is you're not there to be friends with them you're there to be making sure they do what they're supposed to do and it's not about being friends with people it's about having those respectful professional relationships if you recruit someone to do a job have the faith in them to actually do that job because if they don't then you've either you've made a mistake somewhere you've either recruited the wrong person or you haven't trained them properly yeah as a manager that's that's your fault but Mm. your role as you said is to get the best out of that person for themselves so to make sure that they are developed whether that be on a personal skills soft skills basis whether it's a technical skills basis but that's your key role and by doing that you make sure that they deliver what they need to do for me it's about communication is one of the biggest skills And, and when you're a new manager is it's really easy when you become a new manager to go into that command and control place especially if you're promoted internally in a team because that's the hardest hardest way to get your first foot into management because on Friday you're one of the guys and you're going out for a beer on Monday you've got to make sure that they're delivering what they're supposed to deliver Mm. and it can be really hard and so many people go into and I did it I did it personally I, I was terrible the first time I managed people I was awful and it makes me cringe um but I learned and I'm much better now um and it is very much around that you know you're there to you don't necessarily need to know the ins and outs of every single part of the job they're doing you need to trust that they can do it because last week 
when you were their colleague they did it and they're doing it perfectly well mm. so it's to trust that they're going to do their bit and you step up and understanding exactly what your new role is and sitting down with that group of people and explaining what your new role is and how that's going to be different and what their role is in making sure that you can do your role yeah. as well um but it's also having that empathy that some people might not necessarily settle into that that easily to begin with mm. but then that's back to communication yeah. and having the confidence to say you know if you think that this might be a problem for you can we take that out of here and have a conversation about that and why that might be difficult and what we can do together not what I can do to make that right but what can we do together yeah. to make sure that we can work well yeah and lots of this stuff comes under emotional intelligence and that's one of the biggest biggest areas for me and, and still massively undervalued within organizations um, because that ability to it's not like IQ you can change your EQ you can change and develop your um, emotional intelligence levels and the, the biggest and, and, and core area is that self-awareness yeah because when you know the things that are going to trigger you and the things that are going to push you into reacting in a certain way, you can manage that. And yeah. then the other two parts are around your kind of relationships with others. But that self-management, self-awareness and self-management is the first area I think as anyone as a new manager needs to focus on is understanding where do I feel really confident, but also where am I going to feel insecure Mm. and I'm potentially going to react in the wrong way because of my insecurity. Because quite often, emotional responses are from fear. Yeah. Aggression generally comes from fear. Defensiveness comes from fear. Um, So learning to understand what's going to drive that and how to recognise that and deal with that internally makes a massive difference. And there was some research done that, I can't remember the exact figures, but with they did some research. It was following on from Daniel Goleman's original work around emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. And they identified that the top performing businesses, their leadership didn't necessarily have the highest IQs, but they had the highest emotional intelligence levels because they were able to adapt. They were able to build stronger relationships with their teams, both internally and externally you know, their teams, wherever they are. And as a manager, it's understanding that you've got, I was having this conversation last week with, with some people. As a manager, if you're part of a management team, you are part of two teams. You are part of that management team mm. and you're also still part of the team that you are responsible for. And it's understanding when to put which hat on. Yeah. Because yeah. that can be one of the hard things. It's not just the... the situation you have on a day-to-day basis with your team is that it's the situation you have where you're suddenly part of this other team that has to make longer term more strategic decisions as well something interesting before we kind of drill into the emotional intelligence side of things a little bit more something interesting that you mentioned was about having a clear understanding of the role that the manager is going to do and 
to me, then that's the responsibility maybe of their manager to explain like this is what your new role actually entails and this is what the expectation is. Do you think generally speaking in your view that companies are good at explaining what the new role is or setting clear boundaries or setting clear definitions for what it is that is expected of managers? In my experience, no, unfortunately not. Yeah, um, I thought you might and, and <laughs> and, and that's where the problem stems from that's the issue is yeah. people especially they're very good when they bring in someone from outside okay because they have to go through that recruitment process oh I say very good they're, they're better um they have to go through that process of here's a job description especially if they're using an outside agency because that agency will kind of push them to have something that they can give to it to potential candidates and they put an awful lot more thought and time and effort into it when they're bringing a new person in than they do with their existing staff in my experience and you know my own personal experience is right as of Monday you're going to be the team manager for this team of people which basically means it's your job to make sure they do their job off you go yeah and and that was it and this was in the insurance industry which was very everybody was Mr Bean and Mr Smith and Mr Jones and so it was you know still steeped in 18th century processes and and I noticed no no misses or miss (laughs) (laughs) oh god no (laughs) because there was nobody if you're a woman you weren't allowed to be senior god um and and it was that just, you know, well, you've, you've been around it. You've had a team supervisor, so you go and you know what to do. Yeah. But then... Off you go. <laughs> yeah, off you go. And I went from being this really nice member of the team that everyone liked and we all got on really well. We had a brilliant relationship to this demonic... Dragon. Power-crazed <laughs> dragon literally in the space of a week. It was yeah. so bad. Like, oh, God. And even you, they would look at me like... Shut up, stop it, get on with it, stop chatting, get on with your work. Yeah. And my brain inside I'm going, that's no, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's just so weird. But and, and that's the thing, you know, it's and whenever I'm talking to new managers, and I will always say to them, are you really, really clear as to not just the the actual tactical elements of your job, but the purpose of your role? Yeah. Has your manager told you? the purpose and the output of your role and the purpose and the output of your team. Because then quite often people don't know where their team fits into the whole process of an organisation and, and who's dependent on them doing what they do if you know, efficiently, well, to the best possible standard. Um, because when you've got that wider view, it really helps you inform how you get your team to perform as well. Yeah, no, I, th- I like that. The, the the idea of having the wider view and how your team fits in in, in the, the kind of the bigger picture. What role do you play in terms of what the organization is trying to achieve and what the purpose is? And even going one step further and saying what the impact is on clients of whether or not you can successfully fulfill your role. And even down to that individual level. So by you completing X, Y, Z in a week or in, in a month or whatever time it is, the impact that that has on our clients is this. Um, you know, our clients are now able to view the market in a different way. They're now able to, um, you know, 
I don't know. I can't think of an example. I was trying to think of an example from an insurance <laughs> company, but I couldn't think of one off the top of my head, <laughs> not having that background. I think the thing is with insurance as well, it, it's you are, it's, it's quite dull. Uh, well, it was 20 odd years ago. Um, it, but it's that bit of, you, know, you are having, wherever you are in that process, you're having an impact on, on a person, on their life, whether you, you know, if you work in home insurance and you're part of the process that then delays whether they get an auditor out, whether they get their money paid, whether they're stuck in a hotel for longer because you're not getting your bit done. Or if somebody's, you know, if, if I worked in the life insurance division and, and if somebody dies, if you don't, you know, you're just adding extra stress and pressure to that bereaved person yeah. by not getting everything done as quickly as possible. Yeah. But too many businesses become too internally focused yeah. and, and you end up with silos they're who, focusing on the process and dividing yeah. things yeah based on what yeah and almost completely forgetting that there's there's a customer at the end of that whole process because yeah. it all becomes about how you do things what happens internally and we were talking about this in I did some webinars on recruitment last, earlier this year and we were saying there, you know, recruitment processes become such an internal thing and completely forget that the, the customers of that recruitment process are external. are external and that there's a human being yeah. who is being pushed through this process that you're creating to suit your internal needs. And it just, sometimes when you look at it, and even for me, I was like, oh, God, yeah, Wow. I was in the industry for such a long time and then this sudden realisation of like, oh yeah. Yeah. Person out there. So it's treating, I mean, it comes back down to treating people like people, I suppose. Um, But something interesting that you mentioned, and I want to relate this back to a book that I read recently. And and this was sort of in the uh, appendix section, it might've even been in in the book. So it was like an almost an afterthought. But one of the, the ideas around that was within a team, you're very aware of what you need to do, or hopefully you are, uh, and then and and what your boss is trying to achieve, and you know you're you're kind of striving towards that, but maybe you're less aware of what the teams around you are trying to achieve, and having that lateral awareness of it's important for me to do my role so that the person in another team can do their role better or you know things like that so really having that understanding so rather than being in silos as you mentioned and so many organizations are in silos now that you have um more of a collective understanding of what it is that you're trying to achieve as a business and what the impact of what you do and just a really great understanding of the people who are equivalent to you but in another team what's their role what are they trying to achieve and how can you help them by treating them like a person and helping them to get their role done. Absolutely. And I think that's even, even harder at the moment because people are not even necessarily going into the building that those other people are in. Yeah. They're not even passing them in the corridors or in the lift or you know, the car park, what have you, because we ha- we've become so isolated that we are forgetting and and especially given you know and it's understandable given the the psychological impact of the year that we've had and the the constant being pushed into bubbles and and losing contact with so many people and so many people have found that hard in in different ways and I think 
that's so important as a business and as the leadership of a business to you know starting to and hopefully they've been thinking about this prior to to December um, is if our if we assume that our world is not going to change massively for at least the first quarter because even with the vaccine you know it's still 21 days before those people are are going to be considered safe and Mm -hmm. This is only, you know, this is not the general work population at the moment. So it's going to be April before most people get it. So actually, as a business, some real thought really, really should have gone into how do we re-engage everybody in our business? How do we and, and how do we cascade that down? Because certain managers have been doing a brilliant job and but they Again, it's focused very internally and people looking, right, this is my team. I need to focus on my team and make sure my team are okay, which is admirable and fantastic. But now it's the, okay, my team are okay. We've got that foundation. We've got that basis. We can do this. We can continue like this. Now, how do we take that to the next level? How do we make sure that this division's okay? How do we make sure that if you're a smaller business, and I've interestingly been doing lots more work with smaller businesses than medium businesses this year which is a it is a real shift for me um but how do we re-engage everybody with that purpose of the business how do we re-engage with if this is the way it's going to be for for at least another six months how do we make sure we're as strong when we do physically get back together as we were when we when we left because relationships are different and and there'll be lots of businesses that do hybrid and and that again is a a whole different way Mm. of managing because it's easy then to slip into the old habits and the old sense of teamship with the people that are physically there you've really got to make sure that not just as a team manager but everybody is is embracing that person who is that remote worker as well yeah um because that can be a real challenge. Yeah. And I hear a lot of people or hear of a lot of people doing kind of a mixed approach where they'll be in the office for a few days a week and at home a few days a week Mm -hmm. and trying to find that balance between, um, you know, not everyone is going to be in the office all on the same day. So when do you have that team meeting, the team catch up and do you alternate it so that one person might be at home for the team meeting, but it's not the same person all the time or, or something like that. Um, And I've heard great stories of, you know, the future of work being that we do our best work at home where we can sit and we can be concentrated or that might be at home or that might be in a co-working space. And then we bring everyone together when we need that kind of camaraderie and need to work together on a project and and just need to build those relationships that we have the the human interaction. And it's a bit more of a social gathering or a bit more of a social aspect to coming into the office, for example. Um, yeah, really, really interesting about like what the future will hold, especially in relation to remote working. I'd love to tie that in with um, the kind of going back to, to one of the earlier discussions around like whether, you know, should everyone be a manager or if if this is presented to you as a career opportunity? And that's how I always saw it is you progress your career by becoming a manager. It's, it you know, you get paid more money and um, you get like a better status and all of this kind of stuff. And that's sort of, in my view, how careers are typically presented, that you progress until you become a manager and then you become a manager of managers. Um, 
but I'd love to get your views on whether everyone has what it takes to be a manager or, you know, what are the options that we can have? Is it is it about presenting a specialist role for someone who doesn't necessarily, you know, who's really good at the job, but doesn't really show much inclination for wanting to develop other people and, and how to, I suppose, manage that as well if they're being managed by someone who may be perceived as more junior to them? Yeah, it's, I, I really want to say that, yes, everyone can be a great manager, but mm. I, they need to want to be. Yeah. And that for me is that that's the, the difference. And I think if you want to be a great manager and you're prepared to put the time and effort into learning the skills and applying those skills, you can be a great manager. The problem is a lot of businesses promote someone because they're great at what they do. Yeah. And sales is the, the worst in the world for doing this they take great salespeople who are selfish self-motivated driven mm. client driven money driven you know all of those things and they see how great these people are and they think that they can get that person to replicate themselves yeah. and it's not only that they can't they don't want to they don't want to get involved in other people more often than not they want to continue to do what they're doing and I think that's why businesses could look at having sort of two paths where you have the managerial path for the people who want to go down that route and have the skills and, and you know, naturally have those skills and, and use those skills more often. And then you have the people who could kind of go to professional track. And there's a few um, law firms in the UK that are working on that basis and, and they are raising the management path to be as um, prestigious as the the, the the professional path in terms of law so they're, they're getting people ILM qualified or CIM qualified but they are you either go down that professional path or you go down that managerial path because certainly within law I wouldn't say they're mutually exclusive um but but the skills that are required for one you wouldn't necessarily have those skills yeah. on another okay yeah and you, and you hear horror stories, especially, you know, law firms particularly of, you know, it is long hours and, and the city's another place. It's long hours. It is, you know, you're barked at, you're driven, you're pushed. And that isn't necessarily the best way to get, it's not, not necessarily, it's not the best way to get long-term results out of people. Mm. Um, but if you have someone who can do that nurturing part, you don't mm. have to take away, nurturing doesn't mean you take away their drive yeah. and you take away the, their commitment to excellence. It means you give them the safe base to go out and do that and to make mistakes mm. and to learn from those mistakes. I mean, yes, someone consistently makes mistakes. You need to check whether they're in the right role, but mm. to not actually see everything that doesn't work perfectly as a failure because it's not stuff happens and, and, you know, it's that fail fast um, mm. and, and move on, isn't it? You know, try something. I've, I've learned this year, it's not about perfection. Try something. If it doesn't work, fine. Try it, tweak it, do it slightly differently. Um, the world's changing. And I think organisations, especially very traditional organisations, need to change along with it as well. Yeah, yeah. It comes back to what we were talking about earlier in relation to creating a psychologically safe environment. And I think that's that's really important. Um, and I, you know, kind of tying in slightly with that, I'd love to talk more about what we were saying earlier about emotional intelligence and how self-awareness and self-management are two of the really critical skills of being an effective manager. Now, for me, I would say 100% agree, self-awareness, self-management is maybe something I've thought less about. 
Um, but I can see how that's really, really important as well. So it's it's one thing to be aware of your own emotions, your triggers and how you treat other people and the impact that your behavior has on others. But it's another thing to to take that into consideration and manage it. So you might know that that by barking at someone, it's going to it's going to cause an issue or a rift or something. But it's another thing to manage yourself because you know that. Um, but no, I think those those two are, are really, really important. So I'd love to to get your thoughts on on how I suppose people can become more self-aware and to manage themselves better. And it is that, that self-awareness is that first stage. And lots of people are shifting that way. There seems to be a lot more people are aware that, you know, I know when I'm under a lot of pressure, I revert to, I get quite barky with my orders and I get quite right, just do it. Just don't question it, just do it. Yeah. And and I know that and th- th- that's self-awareness. And I've had people that have worked for me where I've kind of sat down and said to them, look, I'm really sorry. This is, when I'm really stressed, this is what's going to happen. And, and let's just, you know, be aware. It's not about you. It's not personal. Don't take it. And so, yeah, that's the self-awareness. Now, me explaining it to that person doesn't make it, feel any less comfortable mm. at the time just because they know that that's just what happens under yeah. pressure the self-management is the hard bit because that is me before those words start to come out of my mouth putting those little processes into place to go right you naturally want to just shout at them to get this done like that don't right how else and it's me investigating what's going to satisfy my need for control in those circumstances because that's what it is um but is also going to not be unpleasant for other people mm. and, and it's that part and, and I think it is, it's reading that there's some fantastic words I mean I Daniel Goldman wrote the the seminal books on this for me because he's an academic I personally find them quite hard to read mm. um they're very very intense and, and I'm not a I'm not an academic by any stretch of the imagination um there's another book called um, emotional intelligence 2.0 which is i think it's dr travis bradbury and that revolutionized it for me because that book made it so easy to understand and so easy to to adopt and with, when you buy the book you also get a free um eq questionnaire so okay, yeah. eq that emotional intelligence part. and and they they let you do this free thing and then you can go through and you can pick so you can use it as a workbook to go right i got um i don't know 86 on self-management but i got not you know i got 88 on self-awareness so i'm reasonably self-aware but the self-management that's the bit that i need to focus on first because mm-hmm. i am reasonably aware but i need to work on how i allow that to um to leak out yeah when I'm I'm stressed because the best managers are the ones who they're like the swans and they keep calm mm. doesn't mean that they don't ever admit that they are a bit nervous a bit scared a bit anxious a bit insecure a bit vulnerable any of those things but they do it in such a way that it lands with the other person in a way that makes them comfortable yeah. in a way that allows them to continue to be their best because that comes back to as a manager your role is yeah. to get the best out of your team I was going you to know, say that yeah. is to help them be their best yeah and by barking orders or by being stressed or visibly 
you know, under pressure that that doesn't bring out the best in other people. And it's about shifting that focus to what can I do as a manager? It's not about you anymore. It's about the people who you serve, because essentially it's, you know, they don't work for you. You work for them. You work to help them to get the best, uh, to be the best that they can be. Um, it's a really, really nice approach. Um, really it is, you know, as a manager, it's it's your job is to make sure that your team have everything they need to grow and develop and to be their best and to do the best job they can and yeah. that can be can be the physical so it can be the stuff down to you know your laptop your stapler whatever but it's also the emotional side of that as well yeah. you have got to create the environment that allows them to be human because if you don't allow them to be human with all our frailties and all our mistakes and all the things that make us what we are because when they are human at work that's when their engagement levels go through the roof because they want to do things for you. They want to do the best for the business. You know, if they, I'm, I'm listening to, I always listen to an audio book when I walk the dog. And at the moment, I'm still listening to Leaders Eat Last by um, Simon Sinek. Mm. And I said the other day, there's nothing massively revolutionary in there at all. It, it's very much sort of stuff that I believe in anyway. Yeah. But it's just, for me, it's that, it just reinforces my beliefs that, the best managers are the ones that you that are the leaders they're not they're managers in their title but they're naturally they're leaders because what they're doing is saying this is where we're going this is how we're going to get there here's everything you need come with me and everyone goes yep yeah, brilliant we're on board and and that's a rarity but it's a possibility and yeah. everyone who wants to can can find their way to that it's just sometimes people need guidance to understand yeah. how they need to change to get to that yeah and it, so it's it's manager as leader essentially you know and and showing people and being someone who other people want to follow um yeah we really like that approach exactly and I loved what you had to say about like being human at work and that's my entire philosophy is about being able to to be yourself be authentic and say that you're struggling if you're struggling treat other people like they're like you know treat treat other people I was going to say like you like to be treated but I, I recently heard about the golden rule versus the platinum rule so now I'm, I, I'm like <laughs> so the golden rule is treat other people like yeah. you want to be treated and the platinum rule is treat other people how they would like to be treated yeah um yeah, yeah. So it's yeah it's I think yeah an environment absolutely and and it is that you know, and, and the only way you can do that is by understanding them as individuals and by understanding what motivates them, what drives them, what scares them, mm. um, where their boundaries are, where they want to be stretched, where they want to be challenged, where they absolutely don't want to be challenged. You know, and, and when you get that, and when you have that understanding of people, the stuff that you can can create and, and the the lengths that you can go to and, and where you can get to as a, as a group. Because, you know, a team isn't just one plus one plus one. You know, it's one plus one plus one is infinite. The, the possibilities, when people are comfortable and confident to say whatever they feel, because the best ideas are the ones sometimes that come out of the, the most bizarre ideas you know especially when you if you're doing a you know a group chat and, and somebody goes well what about this and you go what but then somebody else will go well okay yeah that's a bit weird and a bit wild but what about this we could do this and then you get that whole whereas if you're not 
if you're if you're going to say well what about this and everyone just goes oh that's stupid you know you're not going to do that next time are you you know yeah. and it is around you know for me as a manager your job is to create that environment is to yeah, create there's no stupid ideas that people can feel yeah. free to say what they want without any sort of retribution yeah. and like you say because when someone gives an idea then that might spark an idea in someone else like like it might be wild and wacky but it sparks an idea in someone else um we focus very much on the kind of emotional intelligence side of things and the role of manager and the importance of managers uh and and i suppose it's it's worth highlighting like i don't I'm kind of a bit like, is how true is this? Like people leave managers, they don't leave companies, and like there's there's um, differing stats around whether that's actually the case or not. Um, but I suppose it's about underlining the importance of the role of a manager. I think it's really really important in an organisation, and it's not something that's going to go away anytime soon. Someone who's able to get the best out of other people, I think, is crucially important. Um, any any kind of final thoughts around that or or any of the other skills that are required in addition to communication emotional intelligence um I think the the ability to be flexible yeah. and adaptable mm-hmm. um and the ability to manage through change are massive for, for managers and I think they kind of those are the things that help people want to stay with a particular manager and and it's interesting isn't it because you can make statistics do whatever you want you can you can get them to give you whatever result you want um if you're going in there with a kind of you know if you want to engineer it you can engineer it in in that direction but a great manager won't necessarily keep you in a toxic company Mm. um but a toxic manager can be responsible for you leaving an amazing company yeah um but you don't get that many amazing companies that have toxic managers in them because they're amazing generally because because they create yeah yeah and and those people are weeded out rather than moved sideways which is my absolute pet hate um oh this person's terrible and everyone's complaining and everyone's leaving so let's just put them over here yeah why don't we just deal with it? You know, they might not know they're a terrible manager. That's the yeah. other part. Mm. You know, it depends on, on oh, it is. But that ability to flex and adapt and listen and understand and, and think really critically about things. And one of the biggest things, you know, most, all the great leaders and everybody who I've ever worked with who's been great has always been, don't bring me a problem, bring me a solution. I know that's like such a cheesy line. Yeah, but... What is phenomenal about that is by saying that, what they're doing is they're helping you grow anyway. They are helping you work out a solution to a problem yourself. And they're just there to go, yeah, give it a go. Mm. The best ones will say, give it a go. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, there's virtually, you know, 90% of things can be undone. Mm. You know, they, they might ask questions if, you know, they might ask some very, very, good questions around okay well what might the output of that be but if you can think things through and you can actually have a, a, a good response with that and you've thought about the impact on other people and on the customer and, and you know different processes and things you know stuff sometimes is going to go wrong and, and that ability to be adaptable and let people try but also to to ask the right questions to make sure that they've thought through all the different elements is and which is fundamentally coaching isn't it so that's yeah that's another underlying skill of good managers the ability to coach rather than tell 
Yeah, 100% agree with that. I think that's nearly, yeah, that's that's one of the really important skills, I think, is to be able to coach people. So asking questions rather than telling them what to do. And that that helps facilitate, you know, their satisfaction of their needs for autonomy, figuring stuff out for themselves. And I know certainly when I was um, when I was coached by one of my managers early on, I just felt so empowered that I felt like I had come up with the entire thing myself when she coached me through the process. But I was like coming up with all of the solutions. It was so it just felt so great. And she to this day, I still regard her as one of the best managers that I've had. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Helen, <laughs> um, we could probably chat all day about all of this stuff. Um, I'd love to know what makes you happier at work. The people. For me, it is always it's the relationships and the people because you can do you can do what you do pretty much you know in a lot of places if you've got the right team around you, no matter what position they're in. But the relationships and because those relationships make it fun. Yeah, I've I've had jobs and and you know as a, as a consultant, I've worked in businesses where. I've actually come home sometimes and thought, I got paid for that. Yeah. I've just had an absolute ball. We've just had such a great day and I get paid for it. How amazing is that? And, and that to me is it's, it's always about the people having the right people around you who, who are working to that, that same goal. Yeah. Is nothing beats that. Yeah, brilliant. I love it. And if people want to find out more about you, if they want to understand more about, I know you have this great PDF about the skills in particular um, that managers need to have. What is the best way that people can reach you? Um, LinkedIn. I am on LinkedIn most days. I don't always post, but I'll make sure I engage with it with everybody at least at least every day. And mm. um, or my website, which is www.people-spark.co.uk. Um, or drop me an email, which is just Helen at people-spark.co.uk, or give me a call. My phone number is on LinkedIn. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time today. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Really, 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 you know, love getting into all of the insights about what what can drive happier workplaces. And I think managers are really key to that. They absolutely are. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. That was Helen Joy sharing all about managers. And I just want to do a quick wrap up of some of the key points that we made during our conversation. What I really liked at the beginning of the conversation was that great managers make great teams. I really, really liked that. One of the areas around this new way of working and having remote teams is not being able to pick up on the nonverbal cues that happen when you're in the office. And it's, I suppose, about learning to pick up when someone is not quite themselves and being able to have those conversations and really probe a little bit deeper to find out what's really going on with someone. Things have become a lot more intimate recently with, you know, as Helen mentioned, being able to see into other people's homes. You've seen their spare rooms, their bedrooms, their kitchens, things like that. But it's about building on that and really recognizing when someone is not quite feeling right, because we've all been impacted by this um, this global crisis that we're going through at the moment. 
We spoke about traditionally managers were the people to help companies to get stuff done and making sure that the elements of the process were completed and things like that. But now there's been a huge shift in the last 10 or 20 years to help get the best out of people. And it's about being respectful and having honest conversations really acknowledging your own personal skills and especially when it comes to the soft skills and the the two key areas that we focused on were the areas of communication you know having a clear understanding of what the role of the manager is having trust in your employees to complete the the work to a specific standard so long as you set clear clear expectations around that and emotional intelligence that's being able to develop your own awareness there's I know there's tools out there to measure your level of emotional intelligence so the two key areas within emotional intelligence that are really important particularly for managers are this idea of self-awareness and self-management so self-awareness is the first step so it's just becoming aware of what your triggers are what impacts you and how does your behavior impact on other people and then the next step in that is being able to manage that. So when something does trigger you or when you know that you you are going to have a specific impact on someone else, it's taking control and managing that and not just reacting. So respond versus react is something I always think very carefully about. Helen mentioned that emotional responses tend to come from fear as well. So know what makes you fearful or what makes you feel a little bit insecure at work and just being aware of that. Uh, She mentioned that the best leadership teams have the highest level of emotional intelligence and I could absolutely well believe that. We spoke as well about whether everyone should be a manager and this is something that's come up again and again on the podcast and I suppose the key thing is that someone needs to want to be a manager and if you don't really want to be a manager or if you haven't really thought about whether you want to be a manager or not, maybe it's something that you really do need to think about because it's a very different skill set than what is required to the day-to-day role. Uh, one of the other elements was that just simply allowing people to be human at work, I think, is is really, really important. Understanding them as individuals, knowing where they want to be challenged and stretched versus where they don't. Some of the other skills that were mentioned then towards the end were around flexibility, adaptability, being able to manage through change, having critical thinking, being very solution driven and using a coaching approach. And I think it's really important to be able to coach people through situations by asking questions and knowing the right questions to ask and really challenging people's thinking in advance of them taking action as well. So yeah, that's that's a quick wrap up on what we spoke about on the podcast today. Next week's podcast will be will feature Karen Tischler. She is a German who has been living in Canada for quite a long time and she has her own business which supports job sharing. As always, I would love to hear your feedback on the podcast. Feel free to drop me a message or post on social media. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you here. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love if you could rate or review the podcast or share it with a friend. You'll find me on the website happieratwork.ie.